the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, how's everybody doing this afternoon? Uh, when you hear this, I'll be back with my tan. Coming back from nice good old Hawaii. Never been there before. But I'm going to tell you how the hood look when I get there. <laughs> and I already called my boy and told him. I said, I don't care about no beaches. I don't care about nothing. <laughs> Take me to the hooey. They call it the hooey. The hooey? The hooey. Wow. The hooey. <laughs> you know, it's called the hooey over there. I said, I'm going straight to the hood. My wife going to go in there. And that's why I took my mother with me so they can run to the beach. <laughs> and I can go over to the hood, find me a corner store. And just stand out in front, you know what I mean? And just post see, up. Just post up. Just wait till they come by. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what we do. We got to have a corner. <laughs> Definitely. Got to have a corner. If I have me a quarter root beer, I won't have, a, <laughs> I won't have no 40 or nothing, but I make, sure I, I make sure I'm out there with them, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, thank, you for, thank you for listening to us again today. Uh, like I said, I have three young leaders here, and uh, I'll have them reintroduce themselves. I'll start on this end first. Janae Sutton. All right. Rashad Cohen. Um, Ayana James Lebeck. And what you said we had to call you? Yeah, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And and uh, I think that's just the bottom-driven line. I, I believe that God, God gives us all a, a, a gift or a talent. And I look at the parable of the talents as what God has given us, and God expects uh, a return on his investment in us, right? He, he gave his son who gave his life for us, and he expects a return on investment in that. You know what I mean? You know, if, I just believe in my heart that, you know, God saved me, so I at least got to say two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because God was pleased when the man doubled up, so I, I got to double up. You know, and I know out on the street, everybody knows what double up means. For those of you church folks don't know, that means you got don't do nothing unless you can double your money. So if you buy a hundred dollars worth of weed, you got it got to make you two hundred. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whoa. <laughs> you know, if you spend five dollars stealing something, you got to get ten for it. You know what I mean? You got <laughs> it's the rule on the street. You had to double up. You know, no no return on investment. And it didn't begin. It, I, I, when I read the Bible and I saw Jesus was happy with the double up, I knew he was from the hood. <laughs> I knew Jesus was from the hood. Yeah, he said, you got to double up, man. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't go back to the dope man without twice as much money. You just don't do it. <laughs> you just don't do it. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, a little urban talk for some of y'all. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I, we're going to talk about purpose. And, and, and I asked him a question. I just said that, you know, uh, you know, 
growing up, what did you always feel your purpose was? And I said I was I was started off. And, uh, you know, when I was when I was younger, I always felt that growing up in Chicago in the uh, in the 60s, Chicago was a black consciousness place. And I always felt that, you know, God had called me to be uh, just to, to be an answer for my people. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and, and you know, I got to always play Dr. Martin Luther King or Malcolm <laughs> X, you know, because I because I was always the one that was always into that anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. As a little kid. But the thing I had to discover is who was my people. It was easy for me to think that my people were were uh, were, quote unquote, were black people. But I realized that I didn't even really know black people. You know, I knew. Black people who lived on South Side Chicago. The black people living on the west side was different. Black people in the south were different. Black people in the west was different. Black people in Kansas City was different. It was all different. When I and when I got to a college that was ninety seven percent black, I realized that I don't know black people. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know if I'm really black, right, Joni? I know you had that feeling. Because <laughs> I tell my kids, y'all ain't black, y'all Minnesotans. <laughs> That's why I told my daughter she had to go to a historically black college because you too much Minnesotan. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to get some in you, <laughs> and so, but you know, and so in in light of that, you know, I always wanted to do that, but I discovered my people were were were, were urban folks, mm-hmm. were urban folks. It wasn't defined by color, it wasn't defined by economics, it was just defined by urban. I get along with urban people, you know. What I mean, I cracked the joke about going to the Hui, but everywhere I go, that's where I go. I go straight to the hood. That those are my people, I, and. People always wonder about whether I'd be safe or something like that. I said, I don't worry about that because they're my people. So, you know, right. we, we we talk, you know. So, and I discovered who my people were in this journey, and it, it changed my life. And it, and it put me in a position where I no longer cared about economic gain. I no longer cared about anything there. I just wanted to serve my people. So, who wants to go first? In, in light of what you always felt when you were younger, you know, and, uh, uh, and your purpose was, and it, has it changed or... Or is it just still the same? Uh, starting off with me, uh, I've always been passionate about working with kids. You know, my mom, she was a life coach, a mentor. She had a mentors group at Minnetonka High School. My stepfather, Chris Cohen, he's always worked, you know, in the Minnetonka School District ever since I was, you know, I was born. So I, I knew that I'll, I've always wanted to outreach, you know, have outreach to, to young kids. But now um, I had a supernatural moment with God that changed my life um, this this past semester. And I, the Holy Spirit was going through me, and you know, I, I, I actually heard him you know, tell me that, um, you know, I know that you're passionate with kids, you want to work in the elementary schools, but my uh, calling for you is to now reach, reach out to the, to the youth and spread my word. And so now um, I want to get involved with the youth ministry and just let them know that you can listen to Christian rap and everything and still have, like, that lifestyle where it's, like, laid back. It's not always – you don't have to always, you know, have, like, the conservative lifestyle when it comes to being in church. And I think that's why so many kids aren't really in tune with church now. They need to find a different way. You have to reach kids in different manners. Mm-hmm. And that's where – that's what I'm understanding. That's where, that's where my niche is. And I think that's my, that's my calling. That's my purpose now is the youth ministry. And let them know, you know, you can love God and still be cool at the same time. Amen. So that's that. I think, I don't know, for as far as my calling, like being younger, I've always had people drawn to me. You know what I mean? And it wasn't something that I ever really noticed. It was something that families and mentors and um, people that were in leadership above me had put me on that. 
I've always there's always been people that were drawn to tell me their stories and you know I was always God gave me wisdom and insight to listen and you know be able to pour into their lives I think like that really impacts like as far as the kind of work that I want to do which is like right now interning with um, sexually exploited youth mm. and you know working with kids and you know really talking like issues that are under the table like sexual assault and mm-hmm. rape especially among women or you know racial issues and I think my natch is really getting people to be able to talk about issues that are hard in a way that's positive and reinforces these things you know what I mean like that doesn't cause tension but you know if anything um, it's coalition work and creates community and that's these are the things that I want to do these are the things that I'm good at like really helping people create community Mm -hmm. to build and to encourage each other and not only just encourage but challenge each other to be better these are the things that I feel like are my calling you know in addition to music ministry and things you know these are things that my mom have always prayed about that you know, she's like this, and that have been spoken over my life as well as far as ministry. Um, but on the background, that's where I feel like I fit in the best. I love it. I love it. Oh, to the freshmen. Oh, no, you're not a freshman anymore. You're a sophomore. You're a sophomore. <laughs> I'm going to be oh, a sophomore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for a very long time, I felt like I was supposed to be in some way, shape, or form, like a teacher. But then... I don't know, as I got older and people started, like, confiding in me, I felt like I was supposed to be, like, a psychologist, and then I found out I loved a lot of animals, so then I thought I was supposed to be a vet or a wildlife <laughs> biologist. <laughs> and finally I realized, I was like, I want to do something, because I'm not a very social person, so I realized I want to do something where I can help people while not having to actually be that's social. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to show you at your doorstep and leave some food on your desk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. Santa Claus returns. <laughs> right. And so I picked um, forensic pathology for many different reasons. don't have to be social, but you're still helping. But then I can take what I knew, because I'm technically still a doctor, so I can take what I know and be able to just teach others and teach young people and just expose them to science and expose them to different careers and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Just that young, young lady, the youngest black doctor ever, 23 years old. She passed everything. Wow. She's a doctor, mm-hmm. 23. That chick started early. Oh, yeah. Right. So, good thing getting out there and getting that coin. All right, so we, we, we had these young people, right? We're in We're in Minnesota. Right now, you know, sometimes some people are wondering whether there's probably going to be another uh, Murderapolis murder summer, right. you know, with all the tension going on and everything like that. And and uh, and so it, you look out there and you 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 see the you see the landscape. You you know what it is. There's there's uh, there's there's in, there's inequities. You know what I mean? In education, uh, economics, and different things like that. You know. Uh, you know, just when you look at that and you look at the landscape of what you're coming into, what you might bring, uh, you know, children into. So what, what do you think is some of the things that that, uh, that 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 can be done, you know, through medicine, through education, through social work, that, you know, and just through you alone that we can maybe help impact, you know, and uh, bring a little bit of light to these situations that we're facing? I think consciousness, like, you know, you mentioned that um, a black consciousness from where you grow up. I feel like creating a, a consciousness within the community of these are the issues and these are the things that are feeding these issues would be critical to people understanding, like, 
this is what I'm going through. And it's not just that this is what I'm going through and it's normal. There's a specific cycle that's set in place to, you know, for you to have these things that constantly happen. And there's a specific way that we can address these issues so that they don't keep reoccurring. And I think that's really important in, in kids, especially, you know, because if you don't even know how to identify things initially, how can you hope to change them? How can you uproot those bad things or these negative things that have been planted in your life to to change for the better? You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't know how to move forward if you don't even understand what's going on with you. I think that's important. Um, For me, kind of just to like expose children to like the different I guess sciences that are out there because I didn't get exposed to science in school till like fifth or sixth grade but uh, when I went to 3D they had a whole week on like different science so we learned about molecules and like anatomy and rockets and so that's like three different sciences in itself and that's how I got exposed to science and just um, ended up like kind of the start of finding out what I wanted to do as a career, so it kind of exposed me to different careers because that, that's how Molly knew was like, oh, you can be a teacher or something like that, but then I found out you can be more than just a teacher. So just raising conscious exposure. So uh, you got you got the one to add to that? All right, my other one is this. So in light of the fact of, you know, you, you, you have the same similar temptations as as, as everyone else, mm-hmm. you know, what what made you not join the negative social progression. It made you go to college. It made you stick to it and even stick to your faith. What, what was what would you say was some key ingredients that were there? So you got people out there listening. What were some key ingredients to you sticking with sticking with it through through the ups and the downs and everything like that that you just didn't go out and start a drug cartel or, you know, have three, four babies and get a check, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the people that I surrounded myself by. My core group of friends, we we made a pact. We're going to graduate, and we're going to go to a four-year university, you know, or college. And we stuck to it. And that's the biggest thing is surrounding yourself by positive people. I learned even like this year, I started to hang around negative people. I kind of saw myself going down the wrong, the wrong path. I have to hop back on, you know, real quick. And so the biggest thing is that, to be honest with you. I think for me the biggest thing was, like, I saw what everybody else's life looked like, and I was like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that, not Scary. at all. Like, and, I, and that scared me. Like, this is what their life is like. They're unhappy. They're they're hurting. I don't want, I don't want that for me at all. And I, and I wasn't, I didn't have the same support as I think a lot of people, but the people that, I, I prayed for my support. Like, mm-hmm. God, like, I don't I don't have these people in my life. I need you to send me people. I need you to send me friends. I need you to send me a job. I need you to send me resources. I need I need mentors. I need people to speak into my life to help me do these things. And he sent me, like, my high school mentor who the whole summer I worked, and then she paid what I didn't pay for college, she did, and she drove me to school. You know, like, she was the reason why I got in the state in the first place, you know, and it's he sent me people that, that was able to tell me about myself and it was able to help me humble myself that that really really changed my life we know your answer my daddy would have killed me <laughs> <laughs> right that's your answer for the most part <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys surround yourself with good people you know what I mean 
if you can't find them, pray that God sends them your way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, you know, and, and get in there. So we come nearing up on the break. We're going to take a break. And what we're going to come back is, is that we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the, the dreaded P word. We're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about parents, you know what I mean, and, and the role that they can play in helping make sure that their child makes positive choices and that that child turns out to be a Daniel and uh, not some other biblical character we can think <laughs> of, right? Mm-hmm. All right. But they, you, take care. You'll be back. You listen to Isaiah 61, and we'll be right back after the break. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. Recently, Barna Research ranked America's 100 most Bible-minded cities. Where did we rank? Only number 67. Our communities need a Christian voice. Our communities need a mission. It is our goal at AM980 The Mission to provide you with some of the best Bible teachers in the country, from Dr. John MacArthur on the West Coast to Alistair Begg out east, and everywhere in between, including our great local ministry. It's our mission to spread the good news of Jesus and strengthen the local church. We are AM980 The Mission, the Twin Cities Christian voice. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. One thousand. Biz busy on the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear them cheering from the sidelines. Wait. Hold up. I think they hate you. People tell me take my time, right? <laughs> Everybody's grooving in the studio. Jonay looking at me crazy. I'm telling the rappers in. <laughs> <laughs> I want Jodie to put, oh. I want Jodie to wrap us in. She looking at me like I, 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 I told you I'm not social. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Urban Beat based on that. Well, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about just a wrap up an application, folks, as we always do in the second half. Uh, how you can apply what we're talking about to your own life and you know life of those around you. And uh, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about parents. You know, what I mean, we're talking about how you get influenced. Where does vision come from? Where does purpose come from? I believe this with all my heart and soul that that uh, that we as parents need to speak vision into our kids' life. I think the the most destructive thing that we do as parents is that we can't tell our kids what they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and and me personally, because I got married late, I didn't get married until I was thirty three. You know, I had a I had an opportunity to to be mentored and on purpose. You know, by some people. So, so purpose was key to me. And so, when my wife first found out she was pregnant, uh, you know, I prayed to the Lord and, with verses, and I prophesied over them every day. I spoke those verses in them every day, and I spoke what they were supposed to be, and I, you know, I named them according to their purpose. And uh, and so, though they bucked that purpose at times, it's funny to see how as they get older, they come into the they come into the purpose. And I think that, that that's what we need to do. And I think the greatest mistake we make is that you carry someone for nine months, you raise them, and then when you ask them, you know, you, you'll see on the 3D application, we ask them, what is your child called to do? Mm-hmm. And it's blank. Mm-hmm. It's blank. And if you say, what gifts or talents your child has, I guarantee you most times they're going to say they can play a sport or a video game or dance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the three main things that, that come on our applications that come in there. You know what I mean? And And it's like... It's like no clue as a speaking into their life. You know, you're 
you're, you're my you're my change agent. You're my sociologist. You're my educator. You're my doctor. You know what I mean? And I think that's just a key thing. So, and, and halfway through life, as y'all are now, mm-hmm. so what are some things that parents can look at to help to speak purpose into the children's life? Things that my mom, when growing up, definitely spoke like, um, you know, definitely thought encouraging words. You could be everything, you, anything you want to be. But, you know, when my mom, when we started going back to church more, you know, she definitely was like, um, you're called to ministry, you know, and um, she was always really supportive of other people, what they said about me as well. My, but my mom definitely, as her calling is definitely um, worship ministry, you know, that's she definitely put those things in me as well as far as worship ministry um, and youth ministry. But like my mom is also known that I'm very, um, she calls me her, uh, her militant self. <laughs> you know what I mean? She knows that I'm very like socially conscious and that, if I don't feel right about something, I'm a question. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to I'm gonna go about it, and I'm going to find it. If, if nobody's going to give me the information I want to know, I'm going to go find it myself. And, you know, my mom, you know, she knows that about me. And, you know, even people around me, Papa Dusty calls me teacher. You know what I mean? Like, these are things that, that keep you grounded and understanding, like, this is okay. This is an identity of mine. And even if I don't see it myself, these are what people see in me. And it, it's important to navigate how you move through your life because you keep a – a, a consciousness, a consciousness of your accountability. You know, mm-hmm. things that you can do and things you can't because of those things. You know, you can, mistakes you can't afford to make and mistakes you can't afford to make. Jolene, what was the Korean? Well, I help you. You could have whooped me less. Like they what y'all told me the other day. <laughs> Could have whooped me last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonae was cracking crack jokes about me talking about him because she she wouldn't cry one day. She was so mad at me she wouldn't cry. She like he got mad at me because I wouldn't cry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a, a similar story. <laughs> right. Right. My kids talk about me all the time. Does it? What was the question? The question is, what can parents do to help speak purpose into their, their kids' life? Jonae Gabriel. God has answered with someone who draws their strength from him. I only mm. know that because you slipped me twenty dollars at night. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'm just like a constant reminder of like seeing like by just a, what is that word? Observing their child and just like pointing out like from what they've observed, like the characteristics of their child, just pointing out like different opportunities that they'd be good at and just like making sure that even if they don't stay on like a spiritual path, like that, they at least stay on a moral path, mm-hmm. and that way, and just enrooting that, and enrooting that, um, the need of like helping the community, and if it's not going back to your community, helping out whatever community that you're in. Okay, Rashad. Um, my mom, she did a great job instilling in me my visions and goals. Um, she's a life coach, so when I was younger, she always had a vision board: what she wanted to accomplish, what what she wanted to see years down the line. And she made me do that as well. So every, every every day when I woke up in the morning, I saw my visions, what I wanted to, you know, what I wanted to do. And the my favorite quote of her that she always told me: "Be who you are, no matter where you are." And she'd always say, "You know, you're an educator, so you have to start acting like it. When you're at a party, you can't be, you know, belligerent and loud and whatnot because you're a future educator." And so she spoke that into me at a very young age, and 
She would always give me books. I didn't read them at the time, but guess what? Now I'm, I'm reading them now. I didn't, I, 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 you know, That's I don't want to think about read. a book. You can always exactly. go back to it. Right. And so now all the books that she gave me, I'm open. I'm reading them at night. And so you know, I'm blessed to have her in my life. And at a young age, she's instilling me all those things. So, yes, I'm. Yeah, I definitely instilling those things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my mom gave me that book. Uh, um, purpose and po- the power and purpose of vision or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like just reading it, you know, got a verse that I just put on Facebook that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Like, you know, that for I know the plans I that I have for you, plans mm-hmm. to give you a, to prosper you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Like something you know I hold on to definitely because I don't know when you struggle like like I feel like I've struggled. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it's important to keep those things in mind. Like you're not struggling for nothing, and I think that's what my parents and my family really instill like this struggle is not for nothing there's gonna be a silver lining there's gonna be a reason for these things it's a testimony exactly mm-hmm. and it's and it's gonna change your life for the better even though it hurts right now mm-hmm. well i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm give one last plug that that uh that they they were so so humbled and give uh if you want to employ any of these people other than this summer uh give me a call <laughs> <laughs> Because her internship would be up, and, uh, and she going to need a full-time job so she can pay some time so I can have a salary at the church. Amen. God Amen. bless y'all. Amen. 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 <laughs> no, okay. Check out 3D, www.3dleadership.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 